0: This is Reimagine Law, a podcast about legal education and careers to help students navigate their career choices. Hello and
1: welcome to this special edition of Reimagine Law. My name's Sass, I'm one of the producers on the show. And I was delighted when Fran, one of the Reimagine Law hosts, dropped me an email recently to invite me to join her at the Pupillage Fair 2023 in central London. Fran and I first recorded one of these roving episodes of Reimagine Law at the London Legal Walk, which is another really exciting event in the legal calendar. It takes place each year, so if you haven't listened to that episode, make sure you catch up on it. But right now, I invite you to follow us into the very bustling crowds of the Pupillage Fair 2023, and hopefully find out a little bit more about the event and about what Pupillage is. Hello, is It's nice
0: Hello. to see you. Another legal event. <laughs> Indeed, we're in London at the 2023 Publage Fair, run by the Bar Council. So just
1: tell me what pupilage means for somebody that has no idea.
0: Yeah, pupillage is the training years for being a barrister, so um, in short you'll do your educational stages, either a law degree um, and then a postgraduate course, or, or an, another degree that of law, a conversion to law, and then another bar postgraduate course, and then you do pupillage, which is typically 12 months long, and divided into your first six and your second six, so your first six months is a lot of observation and working with your supervisor, um, and then in your second six you have your own ability to practice, oh my Still, i um, under supervision, but you'll be uh, a lot freer running cases. Yeah. Right. And so the View Village Fair is—it's um, showcasing all of the different view villages that are available across the UK. So we've got loads of um, amazing exhibitors from different chambers. We've got a CV writing workshop upstairs, there's some seminars, Um, there's representation from some charities that have opportunities for barristers to be involved in them, and of course the four Inns of
2: Court.
0: Remind me what the Inns of Court are again? Yeah, the Inns of Court are are four historical institutions and every barrister has to be a member of one and they can get called to the bar via their inn of Court. But they're fascinating institutions that actually um, offer a lot of scholarship opportunities and a lot of educational opportunities for students. So we'll see if we can catch up with them later. Absolutely. Let's go. Fab. So we are joined uh, by Phil Robertson, who's Director of Policy um, at the Bar Council. Phil, thanks for joining us. Lovely to see you today.
3: Great to see you too.
0: Um, could you help us and tell us a bit about what the Bar Council is?
3: Sure, so the Bar Council is the representative body for barristers. We represent all 17,500 barristers employed, self-employed, in every circuit throughout England and Wales, and also barristers based overseas, mainly in Europe, but also elsewhere in the world.
0: Wow. Yeah, that's (laughs) That's a lot, that's Um, And what kind of work does the Bar Council do? Uh,
3: Really a bit of everything. So anything that falls under the representative umbrella, uh, we do. Uh, within the Bar Council itself, we have the policy function uh, that I head up, uh, but we also have our communications and marketing function, public affairs, an executive or the office that looks after our chair, vice chair and our chief executive, and we have a big commercial arm as well, and under that comes our trading and events. So today we're at the pupilage Fair, and that is mainly being arranged by our, our fabulous events team. So we really do a, a bit a bit of everything.
0: It's a Really interesting organisation, actually, to be part of, that imagine.
3: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's fascinating. And a lot of the work we do is, uh, is work that we have planned ourselves, but a, a huge amount of what we do is, is reactive. So we, we re- react to a lot of what is going on uh, in society in general, we react to uh, to work that is sent away by the government, uh, so we respond to a lot of consultations for example, we do a lot on law reform as well, so uh, some of our work is proactive but a lot is, is reactive.
0: So why is it important for anyone who wants to be a barrister in the future to be aware of the type of work that the Bar Council is doing?
3: I think it's important because we are funded by the bar and we are here to represent the bar. So it's really important that we are talking to barristers throughout the jurisdiction and and overseas so that we know what the issues are facing the barristers that we represent. So they are feeding into us, but uh, crucially when we are in uh, Whitehall or elsewhere, trying to influence on behalf of the bar, we, we, we know exactly what it is that barristers want, want us to be saying. So it's it's a, real, um, it's a real two-way effort. Sorry,
1: wait, just before we go too much further, I better just do a quick Google search. What is the bar legal? Here we go. In law, the bar is the legal profession as an institution. OK. The term is a metonym for the line that separates the parts of the courtroom reserved for spectators and those reserved for participants in a trial, such as lawyers. OK. okay. Bar. Barrister. Bar. Barrister. OK. Got it. Sorry. Sorry, Phil. Carry
3: on. And, and the other thing which is really important is as a representative organisation... We have a whole host of representative committees, working groups and panels, so at any one time we probably have about 500 barristers volunteering for us, Uh, whether it's on our international committee or ethics committee or race working group, whatever it might be, we get a huge amount of time from barristers pro bono and it's important that they know what we're doing so that they then come to us and, and volunteer to be on our committees and indeed on the Bar Council.
0: And it's right that you have the Young Bar Association as one of the, the wings of the Bar Council. Yeah,
3: so we've got the Young Bar Committee. Sorry, Young um, Bar Committee. No, not so all. <laughs> uh, and the Young Bar Committee is headed up by the, the chair of the Young Bar Association Committee and the vice chair, so at the moment that's Michael and Amrit. Um, and what we try to do with the Young Bar is ensure that uh, the Young Bar Committee, but also Stuart, who is the, the member of my team who looks after the Young Bar, We we want to make sure the young bar is feeding into all of our policy work. So whatever it is that we are working on on behalf of the bar, we want there to be a really strong young young bar voice in there. The committee is very, very active uh, and and we're lucky that we've got such committed viruses on it, but really such strong leadership as well. Yeah. Um, And so, for example, we have a business mission, uh, a business trip to Kenya next week and Amrit, as vice chair of of that committee, is, is involved in that trip and she was last year last year as well.
0: That's fantastic, we'll have to try and get a word with Stuart later if we can, Sass. Um, and finally, um, Phil, what top tip or tips would you give to someone who's looking to be a barrister in the future uh, to help them get there?
3: I would say, first of all, persevere. It's, it, it can be challenging to get to get pupillage. It's a very, very competitive profession, as you would expect. So I would say to, to anyone keen to come to the bar, go to careers fairs at their university or law school talk to their friends to see if they know any barristers or pupils that they might be able to speak to to get an idea of what life at the bar is like look on the bar council website where we've got a whole host of materials to try and encourage people to come to the bar Uh, we run things like bar placement week which is when we uh, we put students we place students in chambers throughout england and wales but we also work really closely with the inns, with the circuits, with the specialist bar associations. So I would encourage people to just really do their research and what is out there, and uh, be enthusiastic, be committed, put themselves forward to try and get a mini pupilage in a chamber, or, or frankly, any other any other kind of work experience. But crucially, look at the bar council website because we have a whole a whole host of material there.
0: And you might not be able to remember this, but the bar placements week uh, yeah. roughly when do the applications for that open, or or what time of year might people need to look at the website?
3: Um, so the, <laughs> sorry, I um, put you on the spot with yeah, that one. You, you have. It, <laughs> Takes place at the beginning of yeah. uh, July. Okay. But so the applications are much earlier in the year. Okay. I can I can check and let you know.
0: Yeah. Well, that's a good thing for our listeners to go on and have a look for. And of course, the people's fair is it at this time of year every year? Yeah, Exactly. Yeah. Okay. This, like, so this October time, mid October. Yeah.
4: Yeah.
1: We were really lucky to be guided around the event by Rhiannon Ducan from the Bar Council. So let's meet our third musketeer.
4: Yes, I'm
1: also fairly new to the Bar Council. I'm the um, communications officer. I joined about six weeks ago now. So this is all a very new experience for me. It's very exciting to see the people fair really and busy. Uh, Communications officer, what, what does that role entail? So my job involves essentially I'll answer a journalist queries, I also have to help write statements on, on behalf of the chair or on behalf of barristers as a whole. So my job involves communicating to barristers and on behalf of barristers as well Great. through the Bar Council. Quite a linchpin. Yeah. <laughs> Fran and I were pretty relieved to have someone to show us around, someone who had the lay of the land, as it were, and someone to keep us on track, so we didn't get too distracted by all the free goodies on offer as we went from place to place.
0: I know a lot of sweets. Have you noticed I have avoided them so far? (laughs) Well done. There's actually a lot of excellent merchandise. So we've um, stumbled across St John's Chambers Um, and hello Jonathan Lindfield, Hi there, Uh, Barrister here, lovely to meet you. Could you tell us a little bit about your chambers and why you're here? Yeah,
5: absolutely. So we are at St John's Chambers, we're based in Bristol so we're one of the chambers here that come outside of London to come and be at the People's Fair today. Um, We are a large set of about 80-85 barristers and um, silks as well, we've got about five silks, two of which are brand new.
1: Hang on, well, another quick time out. Something I've always wondered.
5: What does
1: silk mean, legal profession? Silk lawyers, also known as Queen's Counsel, are senior barristers or advocates who have been selected for their knowledge, experience and skill. Upon the death of the Queen, all QCs immediately became KCs. The title silk lawyer originates from the silk gowns that KCs wear in court, which distinguishes them from the junior barristers who wear wool gowns. Ooh, must be itchy. Sorry, Jonathan, carry on.
5: As a set, we're split largely into three main practice groups. We've got our personal injury, clinical negligence team, the commercial and transfer team, and the family team and we get pupils into one of those specific practice groups so that's one of the things that we do a little bit differently to other chambers is that we'll get pupils into a particular stream of work from the from when they're first baby juniors Um, yeah and, and we are we cover all of the southwest so i find myself going sometimes down to cornwall Sometimes over over this way to London, but largely in and around the southwest. And it's a lovely place to be, and everyone should come.
0: <laughs> um, brilliant. Are you a, a, a PI barrister? I'm a
5: personal injury barrister, yes. I should have brilliant. said that, shouldn't I? No, no,
0: that's <laughs> absolutely fine. Um, and um, I know you've only just started your stall, but what's the most popular question that you've been asked today?
5: Oh, it's all over the place. People, I mean, some people want to know brass tax. how much money are you paying? <laughs> <laughs> um, which, which is a fair question these days, you know, and I think more people need to be open about it. Um, and uh, we often get asked sort of what areas of law we, pra- uh, that we practice in um, a lot of questions about work-life balance actually which is again something that's really important yeah. um, to people these days and something that actually we, we focus a lot on is making sure that people do get that right work right life balance people can find the time I mean I play I still play football twice a week so I'm happy. <laughs> um, it's
0: important to manage stress levels and to tell people entering the profession that that's possible.
5: It's uh, more important than ever before and it's, it's really important because it's so easy in this job to find yourself buried in work until you don't, and you don't even realise how burnt out you're getting until you're there. So yeah, certainly important to think about it from the beginning.
0: Well, I can see you're a popular man with a queue of students waiting to speak to you, so I will let you get on with your day. But thank you so much for talking to us.
5: No, you're welcome. Thank you very much.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm just curious about. So the, I've heard a couple of people say that it's quite a difficult process. Mm, it was quite a slog, the application yeah. process. Might people have to do it one or two times? Is it, um...
0: Multiple times. Really? Yeah, I did it for years and years. Really? And I think I had 18 first round pupillage interviews and wow. two second rounds and only was offered one pupillage from those second round interviews. So it's a real labor of determination um, and perseverance, as Phil said you must have to really develop an understanding of the process and Um, yeah and there's just a lot of applicants for a few places so and I think a lot of it is also about finding the right fit so as soon as I got my offer from my chambers I remember being like of course I was gonna come here it feels so natural these are the people that and of course I wasn't going to go to these other places that actually I was not such a good fit for culturally in, in, in the set so I think it's like any job. Sometimes it clicks with the organisation and sometimes it doesn't. Oh, so it's
1: a sort of degree of instinct to it eventually that comes into play, perhaps. Yeah, yeah. I was really interested in this idea of finding a Chambers that's the right fit for you. And that you feel you are the right fit for. So I asked Rhiannon and Fran to elaborate on that a little bit. Ask things like, oh, what's your favourite painting, or yeah, what's some, what's that's a book that you've read that's really stayed with you? Something that's completely off the wall to get. Oh, that is interesting to show someone. natural. of course, because how can good. you? That's as good a filter as any. Yeah, sort, I think I was asked. Um, I was, not,
0: like, yeah. I was asked to persuade persuade them to do something in one of my second round interviews so I think I persuaded them to go to a West Ham football game <laughs> and I did something about the whole difference between some people like rugby some people like football and why, why yeah. football was good.
1: I guess it's seeing how you can form an argument about something that you're interested in. Yeah, exactly. If
0: you can do about that
4: then you can yeah. To...
0: and of course they're looking to see whether you're the type of colleague they want to have in chambers and they're looking to see whether you can be your own little mini individual business so are you going to be able to build a practice that generates money yeah. and then the percentage of your your money that you generate will of course go into the the, the chambers pot to pay for things like the parking team. of course
1: Moving on, past table after table of shiny free stuff. So these guys have got mugs and pens, there's a lot of sweets we've already said. What else have we got? What did you say about bags What did well. you say about
0: the um, stress ball? Oh yes, the judge stress ball. That's at four pb you Should we yes. go and see them? Yes, should we go back they to might them? have some left? We hopefully. can come yeah, we wanna get those before they go, don't we? Um 3 PB, Barrister Chambers. I've yes. got a stand and we are joined today by Barrister Mark Hallway. Hello. Hi, to the hello, podcast. Fran.
6: Pleased to meet you. You're alright?
0: Yes, uh, we are very alright now. We've grabbed some of your merchandise. You've got um, our
6: Mini Judge stress toy, which you're squeezing there.
0: Not at all because I'm stressed at having no, a conversation no. with you. <laughs> uh, so Mark, how's today going? Have you had a lot it's of
6: visitors? Very, very busy indeed. Um I, I did this fair last year as well, um, fantastic event. I think we're expecting seven or 800 potential pupils coming to see all of the stands here today. So yes, it's been been great fun. It's great to meet people who've got their own different stories as well, which is great, yeah.
0: yeah. Um, tell us a little bit about your practice and your chambers. Okay,
6: yeah, um, three paper buildings, uh, Mark Colway. I personally um, do family. So I uh, do public law children work. I also sit as a recorder, part-time judge. Can
0: I just interrupt you? Yeah. What is a recorder? A recorder
6: yeah. is a part-time judge who sits as the equivalent of a circuit judge.
0: Okay.
6: So you've got part-time judges who are deputy district judges. Who have same powers as district judges. Recorders are effectively deputy circuit judges. So the same power as a circuit judge or a crown court judge. Yeah. So three, sorry, three paper buildings. Um, we're a set in originally in London, but now based in Birmingham, Bristol, Winchester, Oxford, Bournemouth. Um, we have 250 barristers, 50 staff, and we cover a huge range of work. As i said, I particularly do family, but we cover crime, commercial, property and estates, employment, inheritance, well, we've got education, employment, housing, a huge range of work. Over those six sites.
0: Brilliant. Now um, you've obviously been here uh, for at least an hour or so answering questions. Yeah,
6: yeah. Or oh, is it? Is it that much already? <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, an hour and a half actually. Um, could you just tell us what's been the most popular question you've had today? Okay,
6: the most popular question. and I think, it, understandably, from people who are here because they, in a competitive market, they want to be barristers, and this is the gateway to be a barrister how do I make my application stand out from everybody else's Absolutely. and it's a, I think you know it when you see it yeah and I'm on the Pupillage Committee in Chambers it's difficult to describe what it is I think what I can really tell people is try and make your application say something about you because you're unique from everybody else if you get that on paper showing us why you're different that stands out from everybody else
0: presumably when you've got the numbers you're looking through you know the slightest issue with spelling punctuation and grammar that's is gonna be issue. Yeah.
6: We, we we take on eight pupils we get four five six hundred written applications okay which we then sift for the interview process um, applications that are um, that, that contain uh, misspellings those are obvious grammatical I'm afraid they're going to the outpile straight away make sure so there are easy, very easy. absolutely there are very simple things you can do to get yourself on first base before you' we get to that chat about what makes your application stand out make sure it's going to be fully considered. You're filling all the boxes incorrectly you're making sure it's punctuated and spelled correctly. Absolutely.
0: Thanks so much. For
6: talking Pleasure. To
0: Thank you for letting us raid your merchandise. Absolutely. Take and some more
6: because otherwise we've got to take it home. Yeah, come back, <laughs> Fran, later on. I, yeah? I
0: think one squeezy jar is enough for me. <laughs>
6: <laughs> you said that, not me, okay?
0: <laughs> um, so, Stats, we've just made our way over to uh, one of the Bar Council stalls and I can see there's this awesome uh, easel. Why do you want to be a barrister? Full of post it notes in lovely colours with lovely um, different thoughts of presumably delegates that have come today have put up there. But more importantly, uh, we've bumped into the wonderful Stuart uh, McMillan, who's the Policy and Programs Manager for the Young Bar and the Employed Bar. Hello, Stuart. Hi,
7: hi. Um, can
0: you tell us a bit about your role at the Bar Council?
7: Yeah, of course. So um, I look after uh, the Young Bar, which is all barristers uh, from pupillage, uh, from post-pupilage up, up to seven years post-qualification. So these are the guys who are really trying to build their practice. Um, they're, they're at the very beginning and they, are, they need a lot of professional development and support which we offer them, um, a lot of programmes to sort of get to know other barristers and a lot of, uh, kind of materials and resources, some of which we've got here today.
0: We heard um, your colleague Phil um, Robertson earlier talk about the Young Bar Committee.
2: Yes.
0: Um, do, you, do you work closely with them?
7: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So the Young Barristers Committee is kind of the beating heart of the Young Bar representative function. Um, I work very closely with its chair, Michael Harwood, uh, and its vice chair, Amrit Danoa. Um, we've been working really hard this year on kind of visibility and getting the word out there. Mike's been out on circuit with the chair of the bar. Um, just a few weeks ago, actually, we had um, the European Young Bar Leaders, about forty young bar leaders from. Europe in London for what's called International Weekend, Um, and that we had a conference, we had a lovely dinner in Lincoln's Inn, um, and the chair of the bar was there, and also the president of the CCBE. So that that kind of thing, you know, it really helps to bring people together.
0: Actually, you know, um, we've talked a lot about um, self-employed barristers, employed barristers, and and what they can do going around the different exhibitors today. But really, this idea of barristers being involved with their representation body, the Bar Council, um, is such an important part, and it's obviously a voluntary you think people can choose to, to, to stand for election or, or to be part of um, but it strikes me as a really important way to build that community if you're a young barrister
7: absolutely it's so important um, and you know we've just had the bar council elections um, and if you want to if you want to be a part of the change that you want to see in the bar, yeah, you know, I would absolutely encourage people to uh, get themselves elected to the bar council. We do also have people on the Young Barristers Committee who aren't um, who aren't necessarily elected members. We often um, we often if if we can see a gap in the committee, whether that be kind of geographical or practice area. Um, we will open um, sort of uh, discrete elections to get people involved but I mean and we've got a couple of them milling around here today I think everybody they appreciate you know um, how much you can actually change if if you become a part of it and and, and I think the young bar's voice is only as strong as, as those young bar's who are willing to speak up.
0: Brilliant. And and lastly, going back to your wonderful board here with the reasons why people want to be a barrister, is there one particular reason that you like best that you've seen come out today?
7: Uh, Well, there's a a lot of I love advocacy and I I love uh, standing up for kind of fighting injustice. And I think you know I think that's that's bandied about a lot, but I think it's, it's so true, you know. And I think this this new generation of barristers, you know, we've got loads of aspiring barristers here today. I've spoken to some really you know enthusiastic people um, I, I think it's more important than ever that, that you know that this belief in kind of standing up for, for, for people and representing people um, you know all, 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 all people that need representation that you know the diversity of society um, is, is yeah it's, I think that's that's the real key thing so it's great to see some of the some of these post-its uh, kind of really speaking to that
1: Brilliant. Thank you so much for your time. I was really starting to get a clear picture of what was involved in getting pupillage by this point. I'm also curious, do all,
0: do all chambers practice the same areas of law, more or less? No, that's a really good point, actually, Seth. Thanks for raising it. Um some chambers are specialist in one area, so the chambers I was in was, was purely crime, and some chambers do a few different areas. Uh, they're called mixed sets or common law sets, but generally. Hello. Uh, Lovely to meet you. It's George Penny. Yes. Um, And you're from the the Criminal Bar Association. I am, yes. Um, Could you you tell us a little bit about what that is? I I
4: probably could. Um, (laughs) (laughs)
0: Let
4: me just check what the Criminal Criminal Bar Association is. (laughs) Because I, 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 the thing about the Criminal Bar Association is it is mostly made up of volunteer (laughs) criminal barristers doing. The mission statement of the Criminal Bar Association is that it exists to represent the views and interests of the practising members of the Criminal Bar in England and Wales, and that obviously has two parts. The first part is that kind of representative function, perhaps best exemplified last year, you probably saw through the strike action taken by barristers, coordinated by the CBA, but it also exists to have that ongoing dialogue with persons in authority, be that government or other stakeholders in the criminal justice system, to make sure that the views and interests of independent criminal barristers at the English bar are represented. But then it's also got that other side, which is as well as the advocacy component, training and assisting criminal barristers both with their continued professional development, but also assisting those who are interested in a career at the criminal bar in that pathway to that eventual career that they desire.
0: It sounds like a really fantastic organisation. Um, and do, ba- do barristers sign up to it once they're sort of barristers, or is there anything that students can do to get involved?
4: So it's possible to get involved both as a barrister and as a student. The Criminal Bar Association, as an organisation, is largely in its work provided by. Criminal barristers in independent practice who volunteer their time uh, and abilities in order to keep the organisation running, as well as the excellent work of Aaron and others who continue managing the whole thing on on the sort of administrative side. But, But students as well are able to get involved. There are some specific events which are focused more towards students. And then, of course, students are welcome at some of the events which are intended more towards practitioners. And indeed, that can be an excellent way to get an understanding of what criminal practice is really like at the bar, and also to meet people who be, I'm sure. Happy to talk with anyone who's an aspiring barrister about pathways to the criminal bar.
0: Wonderful, and presumably the CBA has a website that, that listeners can go to.
4: It does. The address of that website?
0: If be sent to
4: Google. Um, <laughs> www.criminalbar.com. There we go. Oh,
0: thanks, George, for speaking to and That's have a great right. day.
4: Yeah, you too.
0: So um, Ellie, lovely to meet you. I'm um, right, you're a second year undergraduate yep. law student. Yeah. Can you tell us why you're here at the pupillage fair? Yeah, so we basically just
1: came to get some more information. Um, obviously, we're only second year, so it's still quite early days. Um, but it's kind of dawning on us that we've got to apply quite soon. So coming <laughs> <having laughs> to get some more information
0: is definitely proving more useful. And are you looking to go to the bar? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, brilliant. Um, and uh, what have you been to so far? Uh, we've talked to a few of the
1: chambers downstairs, um, some of the family law ones, criminal law, that kind of thing. Um, and some of the bar schools as well, um, which has think quite good.
0: Yeah, really helpful to be <laughs> yeah. able to see that next educational sp- yep. stage. Um, and um, what have you found so far to be the most helpful thing that you've been to?
8: Probably the bar school stalls. They've really kind
1: of explained all the different scholarships and funding and stuff because it's expensive. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Yeah, and also the chambers and things. They've been talking to us about mini-pupilages and stuff like that, which has been really good.
0: It can feel really overwhelming, can't it, when you first start to look at the bar, especially if loads of the uh, the people you're at university with are looking at the solicitor route. It can feel quite (laughs) overwhelming. (laughs) And I think this is a nice space to come to to get a bit of that clarity.
8: Yeah, it's been really good. (laughs) Thanks
0: so much for talking to us today and enjoy the rest of your day.
8: Um, Hi, it's Chris. That's right.
0: Yes. Uh, Chris, um, and am I right that you're a student at the moment? I am, yes. Where are you studying?
8: At the Inns of Court College of Advocacy.
0: Brilliant. And we've come across uh, today to uh, your stand, bringing disability to the bar. Right. Tell us about that.
8: Well, this is actually our first ever Pupilage Fair, and uh, we were invited um, by the uh, bar ca- council, <laughs> and um, we're very excited to be here. But what we want to do really is... Um, Promote accessibility um, to the bar for disabled aspiring barristers and also we, we just really want to um, assure, assure, reassure uh, students um, that we are here for them and yeah, and we offer a number of schemes so a mini pupillage scheme and a mentorship scheme. Uh, the mini pupillage scheme is very popular yeah. and uh, we've had some good feedback for that. Um, and we were just saying we, we couldn't actually believe how many people had approached us and uh, were interested um, but we were saying that perhaps uh, maybe sometimes people are a little bit reluctant to to um, uh, talk about their disabilities or they feel that perhaps uh, it's not, not appropriate to, to raise here in this environment but that's exactly why we are here and that is exactly why we started this organisation and we're just so happy to, to be here and, and to to represent um, disability or ability, I should say.
0: Absolutely. And I think it's really key to get that message out. The bar is for everybody. Um, There is a space for everybody. Um, If our listeners wanted to learn more about um, disability at the bar, um, how can they find out more? Is there a website or?
8: Yeah. Yep, so we have a website, and um, we're on uh, social media as well, um, Instagram and Twitter. I was going to say Facebook but everybody tells me nobody uses Facebook anymore <laughs> so I'm, I'm officially old now. <laughs> but uh, yeah, LinkedIn, uh, Instagram and Twitter um, under the name of Bringing Disability to the Bar.
0: Thanks so much for talking to us today. It's Thank been brilliant. You. Have a good day. We were
1: headed towards our final interview of the day, a stand populated by representatives of the four inns of court. Now, from what I'd picked up throughout the day, I imagined that this part of the pupillage process was something like the sorting hat ceremony from Harry Potter.
0: I'm Fran, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, I'm Daniel, hi. I'm joined here today by Daniel Hawes, who's the Outreach and Scholarships Lead at Gray's Inn. Hi Daniel, lovely to see you today.
2: Hi, great to see you both.
0: Daniel, can you just help us uh, with what an Inn of Court is?
2: So an Inn of Court is a professional membership association, and there's four of them. So we have a regulatory role that we do on behalf of the, uh, the bar regulator, the bar So, we So every person that wants to be a barrister has to join an Inn of Court, and they have to get Called uh, called to the bar by that in the graduation process. That's all you have to do with an in. Um, uh, what we do on the side through um, through training programs, through professional development opportunities, and in particular scholarships, is is optional. And those those things uh, those things students can sort of access on top of that. Um, but I guess you can split the the in into the, the have tos, the regulation, and and the optional things like the training, the professional development, and I guess that's. How I sort of uh, conceptualise it.
0: And I remember when I was a pupil doing um, some really awesome weekends away at Cumberland Lodge, um, and some great courses at the inn as well. So there's a lot of the educational point that you do for, for part of the pupilage programme, isn't there?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So I mean, I guess that in in terms, just to go back to the to the house, um most people obviously become uh, members of the inn, or they have to become members of the inn before they start a bar course. And I guess one other element that we uh, students have to do is they have to complete these qualifying sessions and there's ten of those and this is where as you refer to the, the Cumberland Lodge residential weekend opportunities come in so I mean these are fantastic opportunities that students have to do ultimately because the Bar Standards Board requires them to do it but you can uh, you, more than it being a box ticking exercise you can actually gain real sort of professional experience from here uh, from the from the opportunities it can help you network it can help with your with your career development your advocacy these sorts of things that maybe you've never had actually access to as a, as a student before you joined an in uh, and all of a sudden you know you have this huge network of you know maybe like a quarter of practicing barristers and, and judges in the profession that you can sort of, you, know, you can tap into that knowledge and you know how we deliver the qualifying sessions is um, is, is a way for, for students to get that knowledge we have training programs that the support um, pupil members and practitioner, uh, n- uh, newly qualified practitioners as well. So that kind of training runs through, and that professional development um, is something that's with, uh, with, with the and throughout uh, people's professional careers. So
0: the qualifying sessions. Um, am I right that there's 12 qualifying sessions that everyone has to do? Or to- they used to be,
7: 12, they used to be very, 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 very very
2: very recently in the last couple of years it's changed to 10 and what we have now is we have qualifying sessions in five different themes i'm not going to reel them off but no, they're on, no, the, no, they're, no. on the, they're on the they're on the website i went to um, dinner
0: and did lots of networking at dinners when i was yeah, a absolutely.
2: student I mean, that was, a, that was the, the traditional approach was uh, was dinners and i think initially you had to do as many as 36 qualifying no, yeah, yeah. sessions and they'd all be dinners uh, and that dining oh, element oh, yeah. i guess that collegial element is still a part of most qualifying sessions but we're really focused on the education of our, of our members. So every every qualifying session has to have uh, be related to an education theme um, and from the 10 qualifying sessions students have to do one in each of the five themes and then for the other five they can choose what they want to do. So for example if you haven't had um, much opportunity to sort of practice your advocacy you can do your one uh, qualifying session advocacy and leave it at that or you can do up to six qualifying sessions and advocacy and really sort of take the opportunity to to have the experience of mooting, advocating in front of barrister, judge volunteers of, of an inn, and uh, you know getting that practical feedback and that can help uh, uh, that can help improve your prospects as you sort of go through your career and go to apply for pupillage. So you can really get something substantial uh, out of the qualifying session programme. Um,
0: and, and lastly Daniel, just on the topic of scholarships because I know all four of the of court offer some absolutely wonderful wonderful scholarship opportunities for students. Um, are you able to just give us a bit of an understanding of the kind of timeline on that? Like When might um, somebody want to look on a website to see about scholarship applications?
2: Sure, it's great, it's, it's really helpful if you understand, if you're thinking about a, a career at the bar that you at least have, have read and understand the criteria and that can really help you as you go through university to sort of work out what are the sort of competencies that the profession is looking for. Um, in most cases, scholarships uh, for prospective students whether that's non law students doing the GDL or bar course student uh, prospective bar course students that, that want to start in the bar course is that they would apply a year before um, before the year they want to start that course so for example if you were going to do a three-year undergraduate in law and you wanted to do the bar course after that you'd be looking to apply at the start of your third year of university for bar course which is the principal um, funding opportunity that the INS have uh, the, the application window is the same. We open in mid September and close at uh, the start of November. Um, we uh, we then interview in March and we award through the summer. So you'd sort of go into to summer term, um, you'd have certainty about whether you have a scholarship, the amount of money you're going to get from that, and you'd be able to hopefully have a nice summer break and then start your bar course in September.
0: I was a scholar from one of the inns and it was life-changing, so I I really would encourage listeners to take as as much as they can from from the opportunities available.
2: Yeah, absolutely, there's no downside to applying for a scholarship. Um, If you're interested in the profession, there's obviously a financial element that's going to be helpful to most people and a prestigious element that's going to be helpful to everyone. This is a very competitive profession and scholarships is really one of the ways that can can help you uh, demonstrate to future chambers and employers that you the competencies and uh, you've been able to demonstrate that at an early stage as well so um, good luck if you are applying. <laughs>
0: um, Daniel thank you so much for your time today and we hope you have a really good day.
1: That was it. We'd done a full circuit of the Pupillage Fair 2023 and found ourselves back where we started. We grabbed our coats and made our way out to the considerably quieter foyer. <sighs> There we go, that was that.
0: That was a good session, wasn't yes, it, Round well. Roundup question for you. Yes. What is a mini pupilage? Ah, good question. Um, that's like a week or possibly even a few days worth of experience with a set of chambers. So okay. you'll be shadowing a barrister sometimes sit in chambers and, and shadow the work that they do. Okay, easier to get on to than... pupillage yeah easier Um, and often people actually can can be a bit mistaken i think they need to do loads of mini pupillages but you know one or two is, is sufficient and it's a good way to see if you want to go into work in that particular chambers or an area of law or something like that and also, Gray's Inn Road just landed for me for the first time. <laughs> of course. That's why it's called that. I know. I mean, the profession is a very traditional profession. It's steeped in, in the history, often in London. But of course, it was great today to see so many contributors and exhibitors from outside of London.
1: And to meet such a range of people from all walks of life. So that about wraps it up. Do take a look back through our catalogue and see other episodes we have recorded with barristers about the bar, including. The Role of a Barrister's Clerk, Professional Legal Ethics Unpacked and my personal favourite, Barristers. It's more than just wigs and gowns. Thank you to everyone who Saturday morning we interrupted with our questions and a very special thank you to the Bar Council and, of course, Rhiannon for supporting and facilitating this episode. We'll see you soon for the next episode of Reimagine Law.